Hey everyone, my name is Brooke Ferreira. I'm a licensed associate marriage and family therapist. Each week you'll be listening to me or one of my guests talk about what it takes to really live authentically. So this is the Nurture and Be podcast. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Nurture and Be podcast. This episode is part of our story series, which I love these because it's just a place to hold space and allow um, different people from all over the world, really, and all over um, in cultures and different settings to be able to share their experience and hopes that we can all relate to each other a little bit more. So this week, we have Tanya sharing her story, and I don't want to give it away unless I already did through the title, (laughs) but, um, you know, the awesome thing about this series is that the stories can be five minutes long or they can be 30 minutes long. It really just is up to the teller, and so I encourage you all to lean in. Tanya is going to be vulnerable in sharing her story, and hopefully it will help somebody out there. So hi, Tanya. Hi, how are you, Brooke? Thanks for having me. Of course. Yeah. So I, you know, I appreciate you so much for being on here. It's these, the series is so vulnerable and it's brave for you to be able and willing to share um, your story. So without further ado, I'd love for you to just kind of dive in and you can tell people a little bit about who you are and then, you know, kick off your story. Absolutely. Um, Hi, everyone. As Brooke mentioned, my name is Tanya. Um, I am out here on the East Coast. I live in Pennsylvania. Um, And then I actually know Brooke because I am an executive recruiter at the company I work for and actually found and hired her husband for one of our Um, so it's kind of cool how we all connected there. So, um, yeah, a a little bit about my story. Um, you know, we, my story is a story about infertility, um, an IVF journey, uh, honestly, kind of through what my husband and I have been through. Mm -hmm. So, um, start off a little bit just to give some backstory. I actually lived out in Arizona for about four or five years. Uh, when I was in my mid twenties, I picked up and moved, and I decided that I was going to do this, or I now, or I was never going to do it. So I literally fit whatever I could in my car. Um, I did not have a job; I didn't have a place to live, and I just packed it out there. So three thousand miles away, um, I decided I'm going to I'm going to see if I can do this. So, long story short, about oh, I was out there three or so years before I even met my husband, um, who is a West Coast native of Arizona. So I met him um, through one of the companies that I worked for. Wow. And uh, he, how we met is I, I gotten over a really bad breakup and in a relationship at that time that I was like, I'm done with men. You know, I was <laughs> like, this is it. <laughs> I was like, this is, they all think I don't want to deal with them. I was like, I'm done. I need to take a break. Um, and I was the, uh, senior recruiting manager at one of my onsite clients and across the street was this coffee shop cafe. And, um, they had this wacky waffle Wednesday <laughs> where I would come and drop off flyers and say, Hey, we're promoting this. And my clients were like, Ooh, Tanya, like that sounds delicious. I was like, yeah, I'll get it. I'll get some for everyone. And, um, I went around and made an order and called in and my husband's name is Calvin. And he uh, answered the phone when I called the place. And he's like, you know, Profetos, this is Calvin. And the first thought, I was like, Calvin, what a dumb name. Like, <laughs> I was like, okay. I was like, hi, Calvin. And I was like, listen, I would like to make an order. And 
long story short, he came to deliver it. And um, he was just, he was everything I didn't want. <laughs> everything I've always gone for. And I was like, oh boy, I have to stay away from him. And I was like, I just, I'm just going to pay. I'm going to walk off. Um, and, you know, and then the time obviously went, you know, he followed me around like a puppy dog and, you know, bringing me coffees. And I always joke about that because obviously he didn't. But that's my side of the story that I tell everyone. <laughs> um, and uh, so long story short, you know, we eventually did get together and obviously I married him. Um, and then I moved back to Arizona as my younger brother and my older brother with Down syndrome were diagnosed with two separate cancers about wow. two weeks from each other. Yes. So my older brother with Down syndrome um, had stage three melanoma. Um, and we found that out two weeks after my younger brother um, was diagnosed with brain cancer. So needless to say, you know, we packed up. Um, we had been getting, we, we actually met, Calvin and I had met, dated, got engaged and married within 11 months. Wow. Um, when you know, you know, sometimes yeah. ladies and gentlemen, but um, so, you know, at that time, we were going through a lot when, when we found out about my brothers and I, I have an amazing husband who's very, very supportive. And, and we decided that it was time for, I had, to, I had to get back home to the East coast. So at that time we were getting married. Um, we did our wedding out in, in the West coast. My little brother started cancer treatments and then we took a break and then we did our reception back at home for my side of the family. So we split that up. Um, but to get into a little bit more about our story, just the back portion of that is, mm -hmm. I was 27, 28 years old. And, you know, at that time, um, I, I should say that my husband is a little bit younger than me. I, I scooped up a baby cub and thought <laughs> I could, I could, uh, <laughs> I thought I could build him up, but he is who he is and he's perfect. But we, uh, we just did decide that we were going to um, start trying right away to have a family. Um, and we had tried from the moment that we got married um, and fast forward to five years later and we were still struggling. So there is a big portion of our journey here that, you know, when you're in your twenties, you know, late, early to late twenties, you know, the doctors will always tell you, you know, try for a year, you know, sometimes it takes a while. And, you know, if, if after a year you're struggling, you know, go ahead and, and reach out for some help. Mm -hmm. So we, we did try, but I wasn't, we weren't quite, I didn't feel like, I was just like, there's just, it's probably just timing. You know, I was like, I started my career back home, you know, and things kind of took off and I put it in the back burner a little bit and thinking everything was going to be fine. We're young, we're healthy, you know, everything should be, should be fine. So we did push it a little bit. We didn't felt like that was the next step to get some help. Looking back, I do wish that we would have done that a little bit sooner, but I just think that a portion of everyone's journey that goes through infertility is understanding that there could be something that you need to but it's about when you're ready. So, um, and we weren't ready. So, um, we waited another year or so and finally did decide that, Hey, you know, this, we got to get serious and we got to get some help. Um, so I'd love to pause we, you for just a second yeah. and kind of go back. What were your expectations about getting pregnant? Like, did your family ever talk about what their journey was like? Did you, like, yeah. I know for me, I was like, I'm going to get pregnant on the first try. <laughs> Well, yeah, you hear, you hear the stories all the time. And, and I, I honestly did not, I didn't think anything of that either. I thought, you know, I, in, in my parents' generation, I'm sure that's the same of 
a lot of our parents that, you know, I'm in my early, my mid thirties and, you know, they didn't talk about infertility. And I'd, I'd ask my mom, like, you know, Hey, did my mom had three kids and she did struggle a little bit getting pregnant. Um, she said it took her about a year every time that they tried. So I thought that was normal, but she goes, we didn't talk about this, Tanya. Mm -hmm. This is not a generational thing where we all got together. And if someone got pregnant, we talked about infertility and, and, and what, you know, was the problem. So I honestly just expected that it was just going to happen. And, mm -hmm. and I, everyone else got pregnant, you know, on their first couple months trying. So I was like, this isn't going to be a problem for us. Mm -hmm. Obviously it was, um, you know, and, and we had to just sit there and kind of decide on the action and course that we needed to take for that, which after a lot of prayer, you know, we're a very Christian based, um, couple and I grew up with that. And at some points I'll be honest, Brooke, I thought, Oh my goodness, is God punishing me for mm -hmm. things that I've done past? Is this something that, and really that's my husband is, he's such a, he's such a spiritual leader in our family. And he's like, you know, God doesn't punish you like that Tanya. You know, this is, this is the, the world of sin that we live in and, and, and things unfortunately happen. And what we're going through, someone else is going to be struggling with it or mm -hmm. something different. You know, it's, it's a journey in that. And this is just unfortunately what we had. So, um, yeah, I mean, to answer your question, I mean, it, I just expected that it was just going to happen because no one really talked about it. And none, I will tell you, none of my friends at that time had struggled at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing all of that and the spiritual aspect of it as well, because I think mm -hmm. so many people in their own ways go through this, like, I must've did something wrong for this to happen to me. Um, okay. You know. Yeah, it's a it's a big portion of what you know. You think when you when you want something so badly, and you want something like a child, and you see everyone else that you know got pregnant accidentally or didn't mm -hmm. try, or mm -hmm. you know we've all been there with someone in our lives that are like, whoops, that was a mistake or that happened, and you're sitting here over here trying for a year, six months, two years, three years, and like, well, why why not me? Mm -hmm. You know what's wrong. So, um, yeah, I mean, after that time, you know, we had really decided that we have, we have to go get, we have to go get some help. And that was with a lot of prayer because if, if anyone listening here is not familiar with in vitro fertilization or IVF, it is not cheap. Mm -mm. This is a very, very expensive journey. And, you know, it did take me a little time and my husband and I as a couple just to be like, how can, how can we afford this? And a lot of the time people will take out loans or they'll try to sign up for programs that will assist if they match that. But it, I mean, our journey was, I'll get to this then, but I mean, we, so far we're at $33,000 that we've spent out of our money just wow. to be able to have. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, to continue and, you know, feel free to stop me, but we, we did end up going to, um, a company, uh, called Shady Grove Fertility. They're one of the top in the country. And we're very fortunate to where we live here in Pennsylvania, that they have a location that's about 20 minutes from us. So that is the path that we decided to go just to get checked out, um, and make sure that we were okay. Um, long, long, long story short, you know, a, a lot of the time, I think this is a big faux pas that everyone thinks that it's, it's usually the woman that has a problem. And a big thing that I always like to call out is that actually it's about 50, 50%. Mm -hmm. The studies are showing that IVF and couples that struggle with infertility, it's not 
people just assume it's the woman. It's actually a 50-50% either the man or the woman in, in most circumstances. Um, and for us, we had done test after test after test. And a lot of that is with the woman because obviously we're carrying the child and have to take the meds and we will have a little bit more than the men. Mm-hmm. Um, but for our you know, situation, it was actually, we had found out that I was fine. Every test came back clear, um, which I'm very grateful for. Um, but it was, it was my husband and, um, his sperm is not, they're not lazy. There's just not enough of them mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll say it that way. Um, so, you know, with that, you know, that's one of the worst of the infertility for men, um, is that you can do a lot with maybe some that are, you know, like the consistency or anything like that. And ours was unfortunately just more so of he did not have enough. And so our samples would come back maybe two our first one was like 2.5 million and we were in, in one sample and i sat there and we i high-fived him i'm like heck yeah <laughs> and the doctor's like you know that's extremely low like the minimum that we want to see for a, a sample is is 15 million yeah. in one wow so um after we identified that you know we we kind of went through the process of how are we going to do this and um we had taken some supplements and things to try to help on both ends and then the first part of that is the egg retrieval process. Mm-hmm. So IVF is just anyone who's been through it or, or, or watched someone or a friend or family member go through this, this, even though it, it could be a man issue or a woman issue, it is a very, very hard process on both ends because, you know, a lot of the time my husband felt shamed or he also Mm -hmm. felt like oh my gosh like she has to go through this or Mm -hmm. I can't help her and he is sticking me with needles every night and you know it's heartbreaking for him on that side and then for me as the woman you know I I was very very sick Mm -hmm. um it was a very hard process to be continually hurt and bruised and sick and nauseous and, and and just a just a long process at that point so you know, from there, we, we, we did get our egg retrieval out. Um, and so we had five embryos that came out of our, of our entire first retrieval process. Mm. Um, and the one thing I will say about that is, is anyone been through this or knows, I, I, I wish I would have known earlier how much meds can mimic pregnancy mm. and how much that it, it, that's what it's doing. It's jumpstarting your body. So I thought five eggs and like, Oh my goodness, five embryos. Like we have five babies, like five babies right there. Uh, like all five of them are going to work. And unless you pay more money than what you've already paid, usually it's around four to $5,000 to get them genetically tested. You know, we didn't do that. We were just hoping and having the faith that everything's going to work out. And these mm-hmm. are five that work and took with the sperm and made an embryo. So we thought we were fine. So when we went through the first embryo transfer, um, oh, Brooke, the, the meds just make, they really make you, mm-hmm. they make you feel pregnant. I mean, you were sick, you were having the emotions, your, your breasts hurt, your, I mean, everything that you could imagine. So when we were expecting to have great news, we were caught, we were met with a call that said, I'm really, really sorry, but you're not, you're not pregnant. Mm. And at this time I had a friend going through IVF as well. And two weeks prior, she was two weeks ahead of me. And two weeks prior, she called with good news that her, she's pregnant and her embryo took. Yeah. So with that, I was sitting there, I just, I remember 
it, your hopes and your dreams go with that. Mm-hmm. You know, for us, as me personally, for me and my husband as a Christian couple, we truly believe that every one of those embryos is our child. So mm-hmm. like we lost that child and we, and we didn't get the opportunity to fulfill those dreams and those wishes and mm-hmm. those hopes that we thought we would have. And then you see everyone else either get pregnant or my friend on IVF have a successful transfer on her very first one. And you're sitting here thinking, oh my gosh, like what happened? What's wrong? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was hard. I mean, I, I remember looking over at my husband when we got the news and for about two hours straight, he was in one of his our rooms of our house and he stared at a wall in complete silence. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's talked enough about with IVF and about a process and a journey that it's not just happening to the woman. Like this is happening to the man too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it broke my heart in half to see it, to sit there and see him just blankly stare for hours mm-hmm. on end thinking, you know, I can't, I can't give what my wife, what she and I want. And it, I mean, it was, it was completely utterly heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, yeah. So, you know, from there we decided that we were going to do it again. And, and, you know, mind you be that we had five. So we're like, we have five chances to, to do this. So, you know, a lot of the time your, your chances increase if you do not get it on the first, um, you're in, you're by the third embryo, most of the time with IVF by the third one, you know, you will, should have a successful, um, pregnancy. So we kind of, you know, had to regroup decide, you know, that the Lord here that we're going to go ahead and we're going to go through with another one and, and do the meds and go from there. So, um, for you, how up, long did you wait in between, um, like your first round and then your second round? Say that again. How long did you wait in between to start like the next yeah, one? Uh, it, it really, it also, it also just ha- depends on the doctor and the meds. Like for us, you have to usually get your period again mm-hmm. before naturally, after you're stopping the meds. So like you'll be on shots, um, which we call stim. So you'll be on stim pretty much through that whole process. And then when they called and said, you're not pregnant, you need to stop everything. That's so your cycle can take back over. So soon as you were able to get your period naturally, they were saying most of the time for most IVF clinics, they'll let you start that next month. Mm -hmm. So we did, we did start that next month because, you know, when you go through this for about five years, Mm -hmm. you know, we are sitting here thinking this, I want a baby mm-hmm. and I want a baby. And, you know, we grieve that process, but we're like, we have to continue on. Um, and, and I do like to back up here a little bit because at this time I had within about two weeks, I had five women close to me tell me that they were pregnant. Wow. It was around the holidays. Um, and I will tell you all of, but four, Four of them have, don't have, they didn't have any kids. Only one of them have had two kids. One of my best friends has had two kids prior to this who let me know that she was pregnant. Um, and at that time, you know, you're, you're, you're happy for them. You're just so sad for you mm-hmm. and, and your spouse and you're numb. And, and, you know, I think it's important to call out here and point out to other women maybe that are listening that your feelings are really valid. Mm-hmm. It's okay not to be okay. Pain is pain and your emotions and what you're going through are just as important as someone who has good news. Mm-hmm. But it took a long time to get there. And, and I have some friends previous to this that, um, 
have gone through infertility. I think this has opened up big conversations with my friends and, and Hey, Tanya, like I told someone, one of my friends about their, your journey and, and they have a friend who's really struggling. We talked to them and, and I think that has opened up a lot of dialogue that is missed opportunities within infertility communities because mm-hmm. people, women especially feel very calm, calm or quiet about it. And they, and they, they feel very alone, but it is a much bigger community. Unfortunately, than we had ever hoped mm-hmm. that you'd be a part. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so at that time, you know, after the my five friends had told me this, you know, the holidays were rough and and, and we decided I'm gonna dive right in, like screw it. You know, I, <laughs> I want a baby, like let's do it. Mm-hmm. So we, we did go for the next time. And and again, remembering what I said earlier for about, they say usually by the, at least takes three transfers for it to work. Um, and the embryos are scored on like AA, AB, BB, BCC. And that's just kind of on what they look like. And they always usually will take the quote unquote prettiest of your embryos and use that. And so I always started with the highest grades that they had put in um, that they assumed would obviously be the most successful. So we went to the next transfer the next month and, and decided like, we're gonna do this again. So you start up the meds, you know, getting cricked and bruised and prodded every night for multiple multiple nights leading up to it. And then we went in for the transfer. You have to wait two weeks. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you're actually, if you were to be pregnant, if you will be pregnant, you're actually four weeks pregnant because mm-hmm. the embryos are two weeks old when they're implanted into you. So technically, instead of two weeks, you're, when they give you a call and your two-week wait or the TWW mm-hmm. uh, is... Um, horrible it's, it's horrible it's so bad weeks. but at that time you'd be four weeks pregnant so we got the call from the next the next time and um our doctor goes hey are you know are you ready for the news and we said yeah we just want it straight to us i'm very just shoot it to me straight i don't want like hi how are you doing today i don't care about any of that i just wanted you to get right to it mm-hmm. um so our doctor did let us know sh- the words that we had been wanting to hear for a very long time and they said hey you're you're all pregnant mm-hmm. And at that time, you know, I was so, I think I blacked out a little bit of not hearing her, you know, because I was like, oh my gosh, this has never happened. I've never taken pregnancy tests in five years that have ever come up positive. Like, this is the first time that we've heard this. Um, But shortly, shortly followed with, but, and she goes, Tanya, I need you to listen here. She goes, your numbers are, your numbers are very low. And the HGC numbers, um, are, are the numbers that are showing that how preg- you know how, if you're pregnant and she said they're very very low and I said what does that mean and pretty much she said listen sometimes we're going to hope for the best and sometimes we just the embryo implanted on its own a little bit later and maybe we just need to wait a couple days and we're going to have you do some extra blood tests on the worst end you could be having a chemical pregnancy where your embryo is not going to make it mm-hmm. and we're going to see by the numbers so at that point, you know, we pretty much went back every two days and, and I took my blood and then we got the call. Um, and at this point, we would have been about almost seven weeks pregnant. Um, and we got the call and they're like, you know, we're really, really sorry, Tanya, but this is not going to be a viable pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, your embryo is is not going to survive. So at that point, the only thing that's going to happen is, is you're going to you're going to miscarry. Um so, sorry, this yeah. is a horrible emotional portion of 
of what we've dealt with because you wait so long to, to hear those words and expect that everyone else gets pregnant, you know, so quickly and their baby, they tell everyone that, oh my gosh, what four, four weeks we're pregnant, mm-hmm. you know, and at seven weeks, I'm supposed to have my baby. It has a heartbeat, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, they're alive. And, and at that point you stop your meds, Brooke, and you to be vulnerable as possible. You, you, you wait to, to, to pass your child. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as we sit there and, and not to be too graphic, but I mean, you're, you're, you're straddling a toilet, bleeding life from your body mm-hmm. and there is nothing that you can do about it. And I, I mean, I prayed and I, and I fought with God and I'm like, please just save this child. Like, why, what is the point of this? And I'll, I'll share this if that's all right to do. Like, I'm a very, I don't have an imagination. <laughs> never, been, never been good at it as a kid. I couldn't play by myself unless it's real, but I'm very strong with dreams and I've always had very vivid dreams. And the night before, you know, the doctor said, you're probably going to miscarry in the next week or so. Um, I had a dream and this dream. I, I mean, I remember it like the back of my hand and, and the dream was we were in this big white room and there was a ton of people there. And, um, my baby, you know, I was, I was pregnant and then I'd given birth. It was very, very fast. My husband was there to say, the baby came out and, and they said, he said, oh my gosh, it's a girl. And fast forwarding in the dream, you know, the child was so smart and um, the first words were Dada and they grew up maybe a year and a half, maybe a year old. And they were playing with my brother's kid who will be a part of this story at some point here. But my brother did not, my little brother with the brain cancer, he, he didn't have a kid. So there's this little girl playing with another little girl in the dream. And, and, and I remember saying, you know, they're about two months apart and they were cousins. And, and then all of a sudden I'm in this room and a lot of people and I can't find my, my daughter. And this big, bulgy, like this big man was, was just bouncing my baby girl and she was smiling and she was laughing and it was like a slow motion moment where I'm looking around the room and I found her, but I couldn't see this man's face. I didn't know who, I didn't know who this was. And I, and I right then woke up. Hmm. So I'm thinking, you know, this is, this is, you know, after some, that, you know, some quiet time that morning, some prayer, you know, I really believe that, that was, you know, God holding our child. And I thought, I thought, Brooke, that that meant that God was going to save our child. I thought that that was hope. Mm-hmm. And I woke up and went to the bathroom and, and, and I started to miscarry. And I knew at that moment, this, this wasn't, this wasn't the ending to the story that we wanted. Mm-hmm. We, we, we were going to lose that child. So more so it was, I think, looking back, you know, it's been a year, um, looking back, thinking that, you know, that was just God saying, like, you know, I, I've got her. And, and she's going to be okay, but you know, she's, she's not going to be our side and, but I'm going to take care of her. So after that, that mm. miscarriage was. Can we like I mean, pause for a second? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. just like, I am appreciating your vulnerability so much and so much of what you're saying. I related to in my own miscarriage and I'm just, I'm just sitting appreciating you for a moment. <laughs> I know that you've been through that too. I mean, this is a mis a miscarriage, and I, I want to make this clear. And this is how I feel, and I'm sure I listened to your your portion of your story too, and I think you f- you would feel the same. But I don't care when you lose that child, mm-hmm. and some 
will go through and say, oh my gosh, you were only five weeks. Like, you know, you didn't know that baby. But when you're going through this and you've waited so long, that child, that life that was inside of you is deserving to be appreciated and and recognized. Mm -hmm. So I don't care if you're five weeks, seven weeks, I don't care if you're 20 weeks Mm -hmm. and you lost that child. A miscarriage is a miscarriage. And I I don't think you'll ever forget that experience that you had or that child that could have been. Mm -hmm. No, exactly. I mean, I think you're, you're hitting it right on the head because, you know, ours was super early as well. And it just, you have so many dreams already for this baby, you know, and wishes and hopes and prayers and just you imagine it and you're going to be a mom, you know, so there, especially with the first, and there's just so many, it's physically like one of the most painful things. And like, at the same time, you're having this extreme emotional pain. It's, it's a horrifying experience. It is. It's, it's, it's traumatic. And, and to the point where, I mean, sometimes I, I had one friend who went through it, even though she had two kids, this was very real. This is still a child and, mm-hmm. and you mourn that loss. And, and especially for someone, you know, a, a big thing, and, and sometimes you'll see this in the, in the infertility community that I am not okay with, but secondary infertility is a real thing. Or, mm-hmm. and, you know, some people would be like, oh my goodness, I lost my child, you know, and they go, well, you already have one at least, mm-hmm. you know? You know, and, and that's not a supportive environment to be on, to be with, because, you know, again, whether you have a child or not, you know, that child that you lost was, was a life. Mm-hmm. And if that child is not going to be able to have those expectations and those dreams and everything that you talked about that you had. And it's just as valid as if you have five kids or no kids previous. Yes, I agree. Completely. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, you know, really from there, that, that that killed us. Um, as most can imagine, you know, seven weeks in, you know, you're thinking, and I remember my sister telling me, like, I'm sitting there bawling. I'm like, why is this happening? And she's like, you know, you still have that life inside of you. And she goes, is she really encouraged me to make sure like I'm living and, you know, not going out to, even though you're, you know, you're going to lose your baby, you know, with IVF, you don't have, a drink you know you don't you don't do any alcohol or wine or anything she's like I wouldn't even have a sip she was that child is still inside of you you know you need to to encourage she was encouraging me to make sure that I give that home for whatever however long I have them a, a chance to, to flourish as long as I can have them in my body mm, so I love that. that really that killed us obviously um and we had to take some time and at that point you know the doctors were like well maybe maybe you, you don't have a your uterus is not taking the baby, you know, let's do some more tests and make sure that everything is okay. And thankfully, you know, this is not a lot, you know, I talk to a lot of people in the infertility and IVF community that are not as fortunate maybe as I am to come back again with a clean bill of health that my uterus was fine. It's a lot of the time. I always like to say this with people that aren't, aren't super familiar with IVF. Um, it's it, most of the time when you do lose a child or, or a, transfer is unsuccessful is because of the embryo itself most of the time it's a chromosomal issue that can't be detected unless you pay that extra four to five thousand dollars previous to have it tested to know that there's anything wrong um so you know i I go through a lot of this with people that are going through ivf and, and they think well oh my gosh well i have you got five embryos. That's five babies. And that's, and that's literally what I thought, Brooke. I thought I had five. So I have five kids. These are five kids. And 
a lot of the time, I you you know you'll hear someone only had two. I only got two embryos, and they start panicking like I only have two. But it really does not matter how many you get; it's the quality of the embryo. Mm-hmm. It, um, so for us, you know, we're sitting here. Well, we lost that child, and and we have three more left. So if the first two didn't work, I mean, odds are the last three are you know, really strong chromosomally correct embryos. Like this is going to happen for us, but I, but we did need to take some time. Um, so we took a couple months to just kind of grieve that process and, mm-hmm. and go through that. So um, if I may, I, I always like to kind of interject this here. Um, and part of our story is that, you know, we just lost our child and, and we're kind of going through the emotions and my younger brother and his wife, had gotten pregnant so I always refer back to that dream you know and I think that it is a huge indication remember I in that dream I my child was about two months older mm-hmm. than their and my brother didn't have a kid and so they they kind of slammed down the pregnancy test and, and they're like we're pregnant and this was just after we lost ours mm-hmm. and you know I, you can't blame anyone else you can't think you know they're about if your feelings are valid Brooke and infertility, so is someone else's who mm-hmm. got pregnant. Mm-hmm. But you, I, I couldn't, I, I wasn't there yet, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, and, and a definitely. lot of people ask me, how do you deal with that? Like, I'm, I'm really jealous. I'm really struggling. And, and I say, this probably isn't what everyone wants to hear, but, you, you know, you, you get so, infertility consumes you. Mm-hmm. Every time, every part of the day you go to Target and you just go to pick up something and you see a mom with her little baby or you're sitting there at work and someone mentions my child and you're, you're right back to being like, I have none of that. Mm -hmm. And it consumes you and the jealousy and the anger. I mean, I went through the grieving process where I'm screaming at God and saying, and then pleading and then I'm upset again. And I'm jealous of everyone else to say they have, they're pregnant and they get to have a baby. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there was no exception for my, for my brother and my sister-in-law and my husband and I, it hit us hard because a lot of the time people don't know how to do this correctly. And, and at the end of this, I, you know, I, I'll, I'll share some tips and tricks that, you know, I suggest to people and have been suggested to us, but they're there, you know, you, I we celebrated with them, but we needed to withdraw. Mm-hmm. Um, for a, for a little while, um, they just had their baby in March, and mm-hmm. funny enough, they did not find out the gender. And do you know what gender it was? <laughs> little girl, because ah. that was in my dream. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, how, look how that kind of happened here. But you know, at that time, we're sitting there watching, you know, my my brother and sister in law and their belly grow, and, and I'm sitting here thinking, how is this going to happen? So we we did kind of revert. <laughs> A lot. I, I, I did not post anything. I'm off social media pretty much in general, um, except the blog that I have here that I've, I've kept up, haven't kept up with as well during this time after the miscarriage. But, um, you know, we kept it very private and, and, and everyone's different. And some people will love to share their journey and, and want, you know, others to share in their sadness and their happiness. For us, we, we reverted and, and, and I couldn't take it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, social media was not a friend to us when I open that up every time and see an announcement or I'm going to be a big brother. And I, we, I, I just couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So we reverted and, and we just kind of, you know, stayed 
stayed just him and I together. And, and I didn't even tell our family or friends that we were doing any more transfers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would always just ask them for prayers at the beginning of this process and, 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 and our respect that I'll let you know when we did something. And I mean, my, my mom, I'm very close with my mom and my dad, and I didn't even tell my mom when I was going in for any transfers from that point on. Um, going forward. So, you know, you know, at that point, then we had done a third transfer. Um, we lost that baby too, um, early on. And they said it was not going to be viable. And at this, at this point, Brooke, you know, you, you, you're defeated, you're defeated. You know, this is, I almost gave up saying, this is not gonna, is this not going to happen for us? And again, I think the hardest thing to get through and, and with yours as well with your first, like your dreams go along with it. You know, mm-hmm. everything you had for that child, all the little clothes that you've collected over the years at garage sales, but I'd stop and be like, Oh, that's cute. I'm going to grab that. Or I'm out at TJ Maxx. Oh, that's an adorable outfit. I'm going to grab it. You know, mm-hmm. and, and, and all of that stuff had piled up over the five years of us trying a room full of clothes or not even clothes pretty much, but baby items or things that I thought, oh, this could be great when we have a baby. I just shut that room and pretty much bullet it shut and be like, I, I can't see that room anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so after the third one, you know, we we decided we had two embryos left. And, uh, you know, they have to be, they have to work. You know, this has to, this has to take, right? Because if if, if not, the, the portion that we were in with Shady Growth, and this is not the same for every IVF, um, facility we had qualified for a program within the IVF that if we went through all of our embryos that we got and we didn't we were unsuccessful that we would get to do another round and we didn't have to pay more money wow and not every yes and not everyone gets that opportunity I had a friend that spent 18 grand got one embryo it did not work Mm -hmm. she they lost they lost everything and then you have to start over so our program with Shady Grove Fertility, anyone out there listening, if it's something that's close to you, I highly recommend them. They're, it's a wonderful, um, you know, programs and company that they have for that. But we, we said we had two more left. So two more. So we went to the board with our doctor and we requested that we put in both of our last embryos. And at that point, you have to get board approval. You have to have your doctor on board to say, hey, listen, like, I'm going to go to the board on your behalf with everything that's happened with all of your notes, with all of everything, your test results saying like, I, I proved this, like, I think that we can do this, but they really want to try not to have multiples because especially for a first time pregnancy, there's a lot more complications involved with that. Mm-hmm. So depending on obviously the, the IVF clinic, you know, a lot of the times they don't want to put in more than one embryo, but we did get approved for our last two. And my thought process, Brooke, was really, listen, if they're both going to fail, I've don't make me don't make me go through this two more times mm-hmm. I don't have it in me mm-hmm. to do two more and fail so I was like I, I you know this is I thought in my head this is higher chances right the two of them going in and I and that's what we wanted to do so um we, we did go in we did not tell anyone friends or family that this was happening either and we put our, our last two in and um two weeks later we did get the call that the first words that she said is, Tanya, you're pregnant and your numbers are phenomenal. Uh-huh. And, you know, at that time for a five-year journey, multiple losses, you think you're, you know, you're excited. But for me, I was scared. I'm like, I'm not telling anyone. Jeez, you know, seven weeks I lost our first, I mean, like, oh my goodness, is this going to happen? 
and my numbers kept doubling and then they tripled and my doctor's like you your HTC numbers are in like twin territory like we need two might have taken here both might have been successful you know and we thought oh my gosh we're done <laughs> you know, like um, I don't have to go through this pain again like we're done if we get to um and then you know we went in for our for our scans and um, only one did take, but very, very, very strong. And as I sit here today in the end of May, um, we are eight and a half months pregnant. Oh, so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it's a big, <sighs> a big story of redemption and, you know, the, the scared and the fear doesn't go away through this. You know, my whole thought was I need to make it to 20 weeks. Well, I need to make it to 24 weeks of viability. <laughs> you know, oh, I need to make it to nine months. Like I need to make it, you know, every single step you, and I know you talked a little bit about that in yours as well. Like you just want to, you want to get to that milestone where you can kind of breathe and relax, but then fear creeps in and then you're scared again. <laughs> you're like, here's the next step, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, wow. Yeah. I mean, as we, as we sit here, you know, uh, we do not know the gender of our, of our child. We had decided that this is the only thing we could control. Um, you know, I couldn't surprise my husband saying we're pregnant. You know, he pretty much knew I was going in to do the blood test. So um, this is the one thing that we could control. So we are going to be finding out this little peanut is a boy or a girl in, in, in a month and a half. Oh, so exciting. So do you have intuition on if it's a boy or a girl? Yeah, I, it's funny. I think it's a boy. Um, we have been prophesized a couple times through our journey when, when we had reached out for help and, and church members and things of that nature. And I didn't grow up this way, Brooke. I don't know about you, but I didn't grow up with like a church talking in tongues or talking really about mm-hmm. spiritual gifts. And I didn't really, I mean, I've been a Christian my whole life, but I was like, I don't really know very much about that. But we went to a healing with one of our friends, a healing service, and these ladies that did not know us from, I mean, I never met them before. And this was a year and a half in when we didn't even start the IVF journey. And she's like, there is a child in your womb and they're flipping. And, you know, that gave us so much hope for so many years. And there, and then another pastor is like, I think, you know, I'm feeling very strongly you're going to have a boy. Um, so I, I, you know what, we could be wrong. You know, that could be a prophecy for maybe hopefully another pregnancy or mm-hmm. maybe it was the first one. But, um, you know, I, I do think I do think we're going to have a boy. So we'll, we'll see if I'm right. Oh, <laughs> I can't right? to see. It's so exciting. Oh, my gosh. Congratulations. I mean, that is like, you know, it's so hard because you're still pregnant. But I know like the relief and um, the emotion just must feel so, so light, you know, and joyful. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it is like you're, you're now you five years of this that we have waited and seen so many people. And I mean, now some of my friends have two or three kids less than the time that we've been trying, mm-hmm. you know, by the way, so we're sitting here like, oh, my goodness, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to be I'm 33. So I'm, I'm 33 years old. Like, is it you know, too old, quote unquote, to have any of these kids? And you know, you sitting there. I'm so relieved that, you know, this one miracle rainbow child is going to be, you know in our lives and then you have I had our baby shower and I never thought I was going to have one of these you know and and I've been to everyone else's and I was like is this ever going to happen and then to be honest I had a moment of panic between you know just being fully transparent after the the baby shower it was wonderful and beautiful and I'm so grateful to all my friends and family that have blessed this child and, and my husband and I but I had this panic like oh my goodness like I have to push this thing out. <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's like in one month, in a month and a half here, 
it's going to come out. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, you're so concerned on getting to this portion. I'm like, well, I have a big journey in the next step here. So that comes with its own emotions there. But, you know, it's it's so exciting to, to finally be in, in, in a point that we get to have our own little family as well. Yes. So I, I mean, I appreciate you sharing your story so much. And I know so many people are going to connect. I have friends who are also going through infertility, infertility, and I've heard very similar um, sentiments. And so I just appreciate you being so transparent. Do you have any resources or things that have helped you along this journey? Yeah, you know, I, I kind of had prepared a little bit of this because I get asked this a lot. And, and, and some of the things I touched on, but I will say if there's anyone out there going through infertility or going through even an IVF or IUI journey, you, you know, the biggest thing I said before is number one, I think it's important to realize that your feelings are valid. Mm-hmm. And like I said before, it's okay not to be okay. It is okay not to go to that person's baby shower. Everyone out there, it's, it's okay to send a card and a gift and say, I cannot attend and pull yourself out of situations that are going to drag you down. Um, I think that's a big portion of that. Um, one thing I really do wish that I would have done a lot earlier, and I highly suggest this to a lot of couples that come to me saying, hey, you know, how what's helped you? For anyone who is a faith-based person, there is a community on Facebook called Waiting for Baby Bird, and it's by a, a woman named Alicia Kearns. Um, it's a free group to join. She has been someone that for... 10, 12, 15 years has gone through infertility, still waiting for her child and helps so many women connect with each other all over the country and pray with the, and, and just laugh about situations on funny memes or things on Fridays or introducing yourself on Tuesdays. So again, that's called waiting for baby bird. Okay. Um, and it's, and I, I, I always push people on um, just as a comfort, but the other thing I would say too is, is for some counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we started it way too late. We started it way after the miscarriage. I wish, looking back, we would have started some type of counseling for, as we started this journey because I think it would have helped our emotions a little bit more and helping us. Maybe I wouldn't have spent so many years so angry and so jealous. Um, but in that, I think that's something I always recommend as well is to seek some counseling if it's something that, and, and not just for you, I think it's very, very important that you do that with your spouse or with your partner because what Calvin and I have gotten out together and hearing his side of emotions and, and understanding how to work together through that would have been impossible if I did that by myself. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, those are, those are some big things. And, you know, I, I personally have found it very helpful to celebrate with your friends, you know, when they do announce it, no matter how hard it is. Um, it, it's something that you definitely, I have a friend going through that was so jealous. She's like, how did you do this? Like I cry. I am hysterically crying like this can't happen. I can't be happy for someone else. But, you know, a lot of that comes from my relationship with with the Lord and and just asking to soften my heart before I see something or someone that causes some jealousy or or bitterness to rise up. And, you know, I ask for hope and joy and peace that one day this is going to happen for us as well as they're getting to be blessed with someone else. And, And I think celebrating with them in a way has helped me take the focus off of myself mm-hmm. and, and understand that everyone has different journeys. And, and, and I still wanted to be, you know, a cel- you know, celebratory with my friends as well. Awesome. And then did you mention that you have your own blog? Yes, I do. I, 
I haven't written it in a while, but when your husband reached out to me saying he found it, I'm like, you know what? I should probably, <laughs> I should probably uh, read that again. But yeah, mine is Tanya Ledman, T-O-N-Y-A-L-E-A-D-M-A-N. Um, and I have that through WordPress. So um, I have a blog there as well. So if, if anyone is interested in, in learning a little bit more about their journey, you can do that as well. Um, well, thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to share? Anything, any last, you know, pieces of advice or words of wisdom to anybody going through this? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that if, if you're going through this, to, to know that A, it's not your fault. There's nothing that you could do or have done that is descriptive of what's going to happen. And then that there's always, there's always a rainbow at the end of that storm. And, and some people just journeys are a little bit longer, but I believe that whatever journey you're on, I think it really is teaching you something. I'm a more considerate and compassionate person than if I wouldn't have went through this. And, and the one thing I will say to you, Brooke, is if you're listening here and you have someone that is struggling, my biggest piece of advice that I've given, my friends have come to me saying, you know, I, I don't know anyone else going through this. And this was a first in our group. And they're like, how can I help support you? You know, if, if you get pregnant and you know that you have a friend that's struggling, please tell them and whether that's in person, I, I will be honest that a lot prefer that you send them a text, you know, mm -hmm. it just needs to come from you, not a social media blast saying, Hey, I'm pregnant. And your friend has to find out on the outside of that, you know, whenever they're comfortable with doing so. But I've had my friends text me saying, Hey, listen, I want you to process this. And I'm, I was really, really appreciative of that. It came from them. They let me handle it how I needed to, if I needed to mourn, if I needed to cry, if I can call them right away and celebrate, but their, their vow, their excitement is valid as well. It's just, you have to be mindful of what someone else is going through in the same sentiment. So that's my last piece of advice, you know, from an outside perspective that some people did not tell me in a very, very nice way mm -hmm. and, and it, it hurt the friendship even more. So mm -hmm. that would be the last thing I'd say there as well. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you so much for like all the details that you've given and, you know, how, the emotional aspects that you've shared as well. Cause I think this is not talked enough about talked about enough. And I think maternal mental health in general is not valued enough. And so I just am so, so grateful um, to have the opportunity, you know, to have a space for you to share your story and, you know, for you to be willing to do so. Yeah, I, I can't thank you enough. I mean, like I said, I don't, it, it's been, and, and I'll be honest, we don't, we haven't shared anything on social media. So I'm sure when this beautiful little babe pops out that some people are going to be like, I didn't even know you were pregnant <laughs> because I didn't hear about it. So it's nice to be able to talk about this in, in a very calming, you know, environment where I felt very open to do so. So I appreciate the opportunity to do that as well.